With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We have now added a new and revolutionary increase in destruction. Des and Troy. You see, when you put them together, they destroy. Company. Hang on. What's happening, guys? Happy bonus show. Yep, the last one of the preseason. I am your host. I am Memphis, and I am back for part three of training camp storylines we've been overlooking but i'm not with kev producer kevin is i don't want to get in his business maybe he'll share it on a future show but let's just say kev is being a great husband right now got to take care of that family and take care of business but i got another great guy and you know him from our rookie rundown show and if you're watching live on youtube the very well mustached mr dallas Hyder at sally galore on twitter and the host of our rookie rundown show, Dallas man, what's going on? Hey, yeah, it's great to be here. Um, I I keep telling our patreons that I'm going to be more consistent, but unfortunately, we just bought a house, and so I am uh, very busy with some demo work. But I'm here to talk a bunch of fun fantasy news here. Um, I'm going to be kicking my butt back into the swing of things here for the regular season, so I'm excited. But uh, other than that, no complaints. Living life, just trying to survive in this you know average of 105 degree weather that we have in KC right now. So. Uh, I don't know how it is up there for you, but it's atrocious. Uh, I walked out of the house this morning, so if you're watching live, I'm I'm wearing my glasses, my blue blockers, because I'm old. And and when you have to have, you know, a good night's rest, because that's what we we need is that you need to block that blue light, right? So these are my normal glasses, so they're prescription glasses, but they've got a blue blocking quality to them, right? So I wore them out of the house this morning because I I gotta wear them when I drive. And, dude, they just fogged up. Like, the entire thing was, like, poof. Immediately. And I, I got in my truck. And, 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 and like, the, the the thermostat, the little temperature gauge on my truck said it was 84 degrees outside at 6 a.m. So, I was, like, yeah. it's it's been pretty rough. The heat's supposed to let up on Saturday. But, man, the heat is just getting going at the Dynasty War Zone. Mentioned the rookie rundown. Dallas is going to be more uh, – more consistent, but he, he's got a deadline and he's got a vacation and he's got things coming up, but he has agreed he's going to be a, a new part of a segment we're going to do in the Dynasty War Zone this season. It's going to keep you in touch with all of your 2024 rookie goodness. What does that mean? Tune in a week from Sunday because this Sunday it's back for the first time in a couple of years. It's the Dynasty War Zone Hot Take Hotline. Except when we started doing this like six years ago, like we literally took phone calls, like on a cell phone. Now I'm going to have pre-recorded videos and drops from some of the guys at Player Profiler, some of the guys at the Dynasty Warzone. 
They're going to be giving us their dynasty MVPs and their dynasty bust for the season. Dallas is going to do one for me. Kyle from the Fantasy Football Fellas. I've already got some from Seth over at the Dynasty Roundtable. Uh, Jason Allwine from Wake and Take on Player Profiler. Going to have a bunch. Going to have a bunch, and it's only Thursday. So stick around and, and tune in to the Player Profiler YouTube channel on Sunday. Uh, all this stuff will be podcast. And if you're a podcast consumer, awesome. You're listening today on the Dynasty Warzone channel. Make sure you catch the Wednesday simulcast on the Player Profiler channel. But uh, uh, Dallas, you're here, buddy. And uh, we're going to do good people, bad tweets. Now, good people, bad tweets can be a little... Uh, a, a little harder to do on short notice, but I, I noticed one the other day. Um, this was actually earlier today, and the Dolphins are inquiring about trading for Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, but they were told he is not available per Vic Tafer. Uh, Jacobs has yet to sign his franchise tag. So for me, it's like this feels like the guy that's like always telling your girlfriend all the bad stuff that you do. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to ruin your relationship. That feels like the Dolphins. They're clearly not happy with their relationship. They're in on Jonathan Taylor. They're in on Josh Jacobs. And it's it's just it just seems like poor form, Dallas. What do you think about when I, when I share this tweet? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising is what I would say. I mean, we've seen for the better part of a decade now that type of system just kind of chew up running backs and spit them out. And now it's happening in the preseason before they even hit the regular season field. Um, the guy that everyone was super excited for is already out with a shoulder injury. Um, kind of prove the fact of the concerns is what I would say coming into the draft season with his size and being able to get the workload to actually be a viable fantasy piece. Um, Josh Jacobs makes a, sen- a lot of sense for, you know, half the teams in the league really. Um, but it's a very depressed market right now. Um, he literally came back after being shunned in the preseason with God knows what's going on with that front office in Las Vegas and then went and led the league in rushing yards last year. So it, it's very interesting to see where he's going to land up. But Miami as a whole um, outside of the pass game right now is a little bit suspect to say the least. Yeah, I, I don't think that the, the 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 Dolphins are necessarily unhappy with their running back, but I feel like they're going all in right now. Like they really want to make sure that they get the um, every piece they need to com- compete with the Jets and the Buffalo Bills in division, and then obviously they want to win a Super Bowl because Stephen Ross is not afraid to go all in. They're already like something like eighty some odd million dollars over the cap next year. And they're still shoving all in, man. So I, I, I love to see it as a Colts fan. Um, I'd love to see him take Jonathan Taylor off our hands. Nothing against, you know, wanting to lose JT. But if I thought the Colts could get Devon A-Chain in a second, you know, it'd probably be a late to mid, a mid to late second. And I feel like, I feel like that'd be a good deal. Now, do you think as, as, a, as a neutral Bears by way of Kansas City Chiefs fan, neutral third-party observer, because your Bears are in the mix for JT, too. Do you think that Devon A-Chain in a second would be a good trade? Or I'll even ask you about your Bears. Do you, do you think the that Roshan Johnson in a second would be a fair compensation for the Colts to move JT to either the Bears or the Dolphins? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one thing I would say is they – 
with the way that they are right now, um, they probably want to lean on the run game a little bit more so than the average bear, uh, pun intended there, um, your Colts at least. So going with an unknown commodity, even though a young unknown commodity might not be the move that they want to do. Um, I, <clears throat> I actually posed this to Shane Hallam when we were uh, spitting back and forth on Twitter earlier today of the Bears specifically moving a guy like Khalil Herbert and their second for a guy like JT that gets you a little bit younger with Herbert, a little bit more explosive, um, still in that young age gap. And they definitely don't have to pay Herbert what they have to pay JT. Um, that type of situation applies to a couple of teams. Um, but Miami still has question marks with the salary cap aspect of this whole trade. So that's where I kind of kick back when it comes to them acquiring a big name running back. I think it was kind of surprising that they let these very easy, very cheap deals be happening in new England um, with Ezekiel Elliott, that type of move. And they didn't kind of jump up when they kind of already knew that they needed to bring in a running back. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen with JT. Personally, I think if you get any running back, basically that's the same age as JT or younger that you either don't have to pay as much money or is on a rookie contract. That's the type of move that they're going to want. Um, I think they're going to be playing hardball though. I don't think JT is realistically going anywhere. They already set some arbitrarily, you know, convoluted Tuesday deadline because apparently that matters. <laughs> well, it's, so it's cut down, it's it's cut down day on Tuesday. I think that's part of the reason why. Like maybe they may keep a fourth or a third running back. If you're the Colts, like right now, if JT was in camp, I think they cut Deion Jackson. Evan Hulls looked pretty good in the preseason. Uh, they traded for Zach Moss last year. Obviously, JT would be your third. Do they keep a fourth and in a, a guy like Deion Jackson if – the JT situation is resolved. So I think that's kind of the, the reason why they they picked that day. I don't think it was so much arbitrary because unlike in years past where like the roster cut downs like trimmed down gradually, it's like get to 53 all at once. So I, I, I think that's part of it. I don't want to make this a JT show because I, I do want to talk about some other topics because I, I feel like if we don't get to the Minnesota Vikings tonight and like they're under, because I've teased this like three weeks in a row, and this is the big payoff. So if we don't get to the Minnesota Vikings, the the Vikings fans and the, the the Justin Jefferson and Hawkinson fans may come after us. But here's the thing. When you go snooping around other people's running backs and players, when they're not even on the market, like JT's on the market, that's fine. But Josh Jacobs isn't. And by the way, speaking of Las Vegas and Las Vegas re residents, and he always closes good people bad tweets. Federal prison. Federal fucking prison yeah if you go mess with other people's players it's it's federal prison but we're going to get into some underrated stories that we're not talking enough about real quick but i want to talk about some of the dynasty news because we're not going to have time on sunday because it's going to be a big show i think the the story that sent shock waves throughout the world well except for me because i said this like two months ago and even my own co-host told me i was crazy Trey Lance named the QB three in San Francisco, and 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 what, regardless of what you think that I think of Trey Lance, this was never about Trey Lance not being good or not liking him. This is about messaging. You know, Sam Darnold, for whatever you think about him as a starting quarterback, he would have had his choice of teams to choose in this league to be their backup, and and he took four and a half million dollars. Nobody pays their third string quarterback four and a half million dollars. Nobody. The messaging was there. Was this a handshake agreement? Yeah. If you played sports, 
your entire life. It's like these, these conversations are had all the time. So did Trey Lance get a fair shake? I don't know. I've always said, you know, you, you know, there's, there's nothing worse than hanging on to, to a mistake for a long time just because you spent a lot of time making it. And that's nothing against Trey Lance. You know, he's had like 538 football pass attempts in his life. He had 99 in high school. Think about that. He had 99 in high school and like 102 in the pros. You know, did we not think this was going to be a long-term project? So you got burned. You are looking for anything. If any team takes him, and I don't think they will because – it's a weird situation, right? Because if they cut him, they take a huge cap head on him and it's better, better off keeping him. And if an, another team doesn't want to want to pay all that money, so he's kind of stuck. But if he goes anywhere, whether it's in the regular season, or I think he needs an injury, Dallas. That's my opinion. I think he needs a similar-ish quarterback to go down in the middle of the run. Maybe, maybe if something happens to Ryan Tannehill like it did last year. If something happens to, to Ryan Tannehill, maybe Rand Carthon, who was in the building when he was drafted, maybe he reaches out because Will Levis just isn't ready. I don't know. But any any positive news and the Lance Hive takes it for what it's worth, you got to get off of him in Dynasty. Dallas, what are your thoughts on Trey Lance and this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> you got to ride this wave if you still have him. I have zero shares left. <clears throat> we both literally are doing the exact same thing. Something got caught in both of our throats at the exact same time. Um, <clears throat> you you got to ride the wave if you still have him on your roster. That's your only option and your only hope is that he gets traded. Um, I think we're hearing a lot of fluff right now from the Shanahan camp of, oh, we want Trey Lance on, on our team. He's on the team. Well, He's not really on the team because a lot of teams don't even carry three quarterbacks. Right. Well, like they will now because, because of that new rule where you, he has to be on your 53-man roster, but you can designate him as like an in-case-of-emergency break-glass quarterback. But I really think they want uh, – as a which Allen? It's not Josh. Kyle Allen, maybe? I think they really want him to be the third more, more than Trey Lance. I think they're trying to get anything out of him. I didn't mean to cut you off. No. <clears throat> You're totally okay. Um, yeah, so the team that has been at the forefront of the news since we even started talking about this dilemma at the beginning of Purdy's run last year was Tennessee. <clears throat> it's still compounding due to the fact that my least favorite quarterback in this year's draft, Will Levis, has looked awful in preseason. <laughs> and so they still are in need of a good backup. Um, Malik Willis is just still just kind of running around out there and not doing much. Um, not that Trey Lance has shown anything more than what Malik Willis has shown. Um, but another team that I'm sitting here really considering and thinking about is Atlanta. Um, there's not a lot of options in Atlanta if Ritter flames out. Their team right now offensively is a little bit too good to get a top two to three pick, I think. Their defense improved quite a bit last year as well, and they were in a lot of games. They just couldn't really score. <clears throat> once they got in the red zone last year. So that's another team that I'm kind of keeping my eye out. But again, I think that's more of a mid-season move. I think that's really the only way that he gets moved is mid-season. Yeah, the, the one that I could see making a move, not in-season, because like another thing is like the salary cap's already baked, right? They're, and teams are still going to need money for practice squad guys because starting next week, everybody counts against your your current year cap. And, and you know teams will need that cap flexibility and a lot of teams don't have, I think it's like $8 million cap hit that could afford him. The team to keep an eye on in like the offseason 
is Minnesota. Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent. I don't see them franchise tagging him. I'm not going to get into all the Minnesota machinations because we're, we're, we are going to talk about Minnesota tonight, I promise. But I think that would be a good spot. And I will save the rest of the Trey Lance conversation until we do Minnesota. Uh, came out today, a lot of bad wide receiver news. I'm not really going to talk Corey Davis. He retired. He hasn't been dynasty or fantasy relevant in a couple of years, but uh, man, you talk about a guy who went 101 in some rookie drafts back in 2017 in a class that had Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon and Leonard Fournette and so many guys. What what a story Dynasty gamers will have about Corey Davis. We'll say that. But, dude, the injuries have been going crazy. Uh, Jerry Judy, I just feel like this was supposed to be his breakout season, and he got snake bit. Now, they said it's going to be a couple of weeks. When I hear a couple of weeks – on a hamstring is really more like a couple of months. Uh, maybe I'll try to get Dr. Kyle. Uh, we have a friend of the Dynasty Warzone, doctor of physical therapy in New York City, Dr. Kyle Bowser, who's helped us out a bunch. Maybe we'll get his input. But like when a coach is already saying week to week, because remember, day to day means week to week, and week to week means month to month. So I, I think we're looking at, you know, a couple of weeks with, with no Jerry Judy, but I would like to say this presents a dynasty buy window. I just like it's year four and we continue to be snake bit. If you've been invested, not only in, in Jerry Judy, but Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, like put that man in bubble wrap right now. Pretty please. And sugar on top. I, I, I please pretty please. Let's, let's protect that man. But what are your thoughts on Judy? Is this a buying opportunity for you? Or are you just like me kind of like out on Judy? No offense. Love the talent. Just, can't seem to put it together. Uh, I've I've got a lot of shares of Judy right now. Um, I've not been coy about the fact that I still think that Jerry Judy is probably a top five separator in the league because every time he's on the field, he just cooks people. It's just last year he was cooking people left and right, and Russell Wilson just could not throw him the ball. So it, it was pretty interesting. Um, I'm not acquiring. I'm probably not selling because I never sell in the dip. Um, I, I'm one of the few managers where I'm like, you know, I'll just let him die out. Like, cause as we always talk about what, so I have to trade him away for a back end second or an early third. How often do those actually pan out? So I'm much more inclined to just stick with a guy who's still decently young, still hasn't hit his peak age right now. And yes, he's dealing with an injury, but guess what? That's what we have IR spots for. So that's where I'm at kind of with Judy. Um, for sure. Talk to Dr. Kyle about it. Um, we've seen a lot of times when they try to rush back these guys with either hamstrings or ACLs, they end up messing up the other one. Uh, it's very much connected when you're running your gait switches, you're trying to compensate. That's where we get into the question of if he picks up an injury, trying to rush back, then I'm probably out on him, but I'll just stand pat. Uh, I wasn't going into the season right now on any of my rosters with Jerry Judy being my wide receiver too. Um, he's wide receiver three or four, realistically, if you have him in a lot of spots, as long as you've been, you know, decent at constructing your team. So the upside is still there. Um, if Russell Wilson flames out and he gets injured again, then who knows? But th that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I, I, I think you, you said something that was very good to point out. The Jerry Judy GM that has Jerry Judy on their roster is probably the last of the truthers and the believers. So you're not going to get a value and I think Dallas said it very well. You're just better off holding Jerry Judy. I was going to talk about Scary Terry, Terry McLaren. That's that's my version of Jerry Judy. 
He's had a little bit more success, but he's never hit the heights that he's been capable of, partially because he's always worked in an inept franchise. But he's still a guy. You know, I would love to see him get traded midseason. You know, uh, we got famous Jay in the chat. By the way, Jay, our, our newest patron over at patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone, he talked about Devontae Adams to the, to the Jets. I, I wouldn't hate it, but I think you have a better shot at maybe trying to get a guy like Terry McLaren. Because AFC, NFC, you know, not in the same conference, um, maybe not cost as much, but the, the Jets are certainly going all in like the Dolphins as well. The one I do want to bring up real quick, because if this has opened up even the slightest sliver of a window, is JSN. He's got a wrist injury. It's it's supposed to be a, a few weeks as well. Um, the one thing that, that doesn't as concern me about the the wrist injury, like versus say Jerry Judy's hamstring or Traylon Burks's LCL, is that he can still run routes. He can still line up with the first team offense. He can line up in the slot. He can run, you know, he can run on the outside. He can sprint because a wrist is not good. But he can't have balls thrown at him. Maybe Nerf balls or something. Definitely not footballs and not billiard balls or something crazy. But but you know, if this opens up even the slightest sliver of of a chance to get him, go get him. Because I don't think, you know, and, and Dr. Kyle, again, shout out to Kyle Bowser at DWZ Dr. Underscore PT on Twitter. Give him a follow. Tell him I sent you. And, uh, you know, he said that he's probably not going to be surprised if we don't see JSN until after their week five by. So if this gives you a nervous Nelly GM in your league and like you can swoop in and, and, and move him. Or like maybe like you you take like that death blow to like a borderline contender, and maybe you were counting on like a certain running back, like I don't know, Jonathan Taylor comes to mind, and maybe you had Stephon Diggs on that roster. Can you go? Can you go move a Stephon Diggs straight up for a JSN in season when point scoring's here? So uh, I, I think the JSN news is not as bad as the Traylon Burks or Jerry Judy. It's still a bummer. But what do you think? Are, are you going to be out there snooping around trying to scoop up? I'm not going to call it cheap. No one's giving – don't hear what I'm not saying. No one's giving away cheap JSN. But if this makes him somewhat more attainable, I think you got to take your shot. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know who I am. You know I've been preaching JSN since the beginning of last offseason. So it he's my guy. I have him pretty much everywhere. Um, I made a concerted effort to trade up in a lot of my dynasty drafts to acquire him. Um, I think the point that you touched on that is the most important here is that even if you think that no one else is considering moving JSN, no one else would be stupid enough to get off of a guy that you used a really early rookie pick on this year, just because he's not performing this year. I can promise you, someone in one of your leagues is willing to move off of him. Um, Memphis can attest some of the just absolutely egregious trades that have been agreed to for me and acquiring guys like Brees Hall, acquiring guys like Devontae Adams this offseason. Very, very easy. You just got to put in the work and start the conversation. Don't lowball. Don't send offers. Just say, hey, I'm interested. Where are you at on JSN? That's what Memphis always preaches. That's what I consign myself to the best way to get it done um just put it out there um i definitely would try to acquire him at all costs it's just usually the people that you think that you're going to deal with or telling you to just you know beat it <laughs> so uh i would just say put the offers out and 
It, it's it's fantastic advice. You know, I've got a 16 year old son, and I tell him is like, I don't care if she's the prettiest girl in the room or the prettiest girl in class. Ask her. The the, the answer is no until you ask. And you know what? You have the same thing going for you after they say no that you did before they said no. The only difference is is whether it's a 1% chance or a 100% chance, you at least give yourself a chance if you ask the question. That's not just dynasty advice, gang. That's that's life advice. But uh, we're going to get into this. I got two more storylines I want to jump into for the 2023 season that I don't think we've talked enough about or anyone else has even really noticed. And uh, I did promise the people, the Minnesota Vikings, so let's not do them and let's go straight to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, 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 you know, what I'm asking myself is like, what have all these offseason additions to the offensive side of the ball tell you about the Jags in 2023? And what I'm asking is, is that do they realize or have they realized that you're only a decent passer, you know, pass rusher and a couple of decent corners away from being viable on defense in 2023? And that it's it's more about limiting the opposition than it is about stopping them, you know. And basically, you've got to be able to win shootouts in 2023. I, I think this is the philosophy of your you know your AFC team. We'll call them the Kansas City Chiefs. Their defense is not great. They got a couple of studs. You know, they got to get their big defensive tackle Jones taken care of. But you know, they don't have a lot of studs. Like you, all the household names on the Chiefs are on the offensive side of the ball. And, and we're taking an offense that was ninth. I'm sorry, excuse me, tenth overall last year in points scored total and on average, and it was right around 24 points. And like this is an offense that added Calvin Ridley, Tank Bigsby, Dearness Johnston, as well as all three of their first round picks were used on offensive players. They added Anton Harris, a tackle, to, to bolster the offensive line. They added Brenton Strange, a tight end in the second, and then the aforementioned Tank Bigsby was drafted in the third. So they used their offseason resources. They traded for Calvin Ridley. So this is where we get to the dynasty questions, Dallas. So this is my theory. So with me saying that is, do you think that this team re-signs 28-and-a-half-year-old Calvin Ridley? And if so, how long do you think his dynasty window remains open, given that he is 28-and-a-half because – He's not quite in that 30-year-old window with Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup, but he's he's right in that weird range between guys like Terry McLaren and, and Stephon Diggs. So what are your thoughts on Calvin Ridley and his window for Dynasty? Yeah, I think the Jags are a very interesting situation because they have one of the few owners in the league that's not afraid to throw money at a problem. Um, so when you think about the wide receivers that they've signed, you don't think that they are gangbusters. Christian Kirk has been fine. He did good in admirable last year with being peppered with the most targets that he had seen in his career, but they pay them well and they aren't afraid to pay guys. Granted you're dealing with an older prospect here, which may be a little bit of a hiccup, but as long as Calvin Ridley gives Trevor Lawrence, the outlet that they need him to give as a true wide receiver one, that allows Christian Kirk to basically duplicate himself. And as long as he stays healthy, I think they may. I don't think it's a long-term contract, but there he's got, what, two years under contract, right? This year and next year? No, as crazy as it is to say, I mentioned his age. He's 28 and a half because he, he, he missed the year last year for the suspension. 
that year just told T-O-L-L-E-D. It just told or carried over. So he's and he was a, an older prospect when he hit the pros anyway. So he's still on the final year of his rookie deal. If they really wanted to, they could franchise tag him and basically have him all the way through his age 30 season. I don't think they will. Um because the Jags are kind of like that reclamation project team. We saw them do this last year with a guy like Evan Ingram, and then they paid him. They didn't give him like a six-year deal or nothing, but they maybe give him a a two- or a three-year deal, something like, you know, three for 60 or something like that, you know, three for 56, somewhere in that $20 million range that, you know, guys like DK Metcalf, Terry McLaren, those guys got last year. I mean, we're not talking Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or A.J. Brown money. But I think if they were to offer him something like, you know, three for 56 or three for 60, especially in a state like Florida, sounds crazy, but there's no state income tax in, in Florida. So like I think in Indiana, ours is like four and a half, five percent state income tax. I know in California, it's, it's, it's like 13. So that's money that, you know, for every million dollars, he saves 50 grand if he if he lives in Indiana. Right. So that's technically money going back into his pocket by being in Florida. I think they extend him, and I think if you're a contender and like you're in year two, one or two or three of your contending window, I think he's a fine buy, Dallas. Yeah, I think he's going to be safe until he's about 30. Like I said, I think a two-year contract makes the most sense, especially because he's only underneath one-year contract right now. Um, I, I think he's pretty safe. The The one thing I do kind of want to segue into with the Jags, though, if you don't mind, to steal this a little bit – they're a team that I feel like the offensive line is not being talked about enough. Um, they're going into the season with three new starters on the offensive line. And last year they had, uh, I believe it was the fourth lowest sacks allowed by a team. Um, they had one of the best pass blocking units in the NFL last year. And segue, now you're starting a rookie at tackle. Um, you are forced now to start Walker Little at the other side of tackle. And you're dealing with a very aging Brandon Sheriff who looked a little wary last year. So I am very intrigued to see how this offense operates. They have the weapons, they have the skill position, they have the running backs to be successful. But overall, their offensive line is a little bit of a hiccup for me for just crowning them as a competitor in a tried and true competition to getting towards that AFC you know, title game. Um, it's a little bit too hard of a division. So there's a little bit of a cap that I think is not being talked about in a lot of these prospects just due to how fluently this offense will be moved. But that's just my take. Um, it's just an aspect that a lot of people aren't talking about is this alone. Well, I, I wish, you know, because Thursdays are long days for me and, and you're obviously preparing to move into a new home. I wish we had had time to have had a little bit of a, like a pre-show pre-show because I, I'll look for it and I'll try to find it. And if I find it, I'll tweet it out at DWZ Memphis. And I think it was Rotoviz, maybe, but maybe it was Sharp Analysis Football. There was a thing that, like, for every new offensive lineman that you add, your win percentage goes down significantly. Now, I heard this on a gambling podcast and it had to do with, like, you know, against the spread and stuff, but there is a, a tremendous impact to to offensive line play, especially when you you start going up two, three, four new starters at the offensive line. But the big guy that the offensive line has to protect is, is Trevor Lawrence. Now, he finished as QB7 last year. I like to call it basic ESPN scoring. So he finished seven in that format, and he was about eight points away from catching Geno Smith for five overall. 
are, are we at the point now where Trevor Lawrence is a top five dynasty QB? Where does he rank for you as, as, as far as, because I think we all agree that he's talented. I think from a dynasty and a fantasy standpoint, which is what we do, him lacking that Konami code, that rushing upside is always going to make a lot of people push him outside their top five. What about you, Dallas? Yeah, I would say I have the biggest issue with him being top five just because of everyone above him outside of Mahomes. Well, I guess you can classify Mahomes. We'll classify Mahomes and Lamar above him in my rank. So everyone above him has a tried and true, absolute world-class game breaker on their team to throw the ball to. And Calvin Ridley, as good as he is, has been you know out of football now for two years. His production the previous two years before his suspension and then him leaving um, very touchdown dependent. And that's something that was talked about at the time, but people are kind of forgetting about, they just remember that wide receiver four overall status, but a lot of two touchdown games, which I know it's not a bad thing. It's what we look for. We're looking for points. Um, It's just a fluky thing. So again, a little bit wary with that, but if you look at the guys that are above him, Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey, Josh Allen has Stefan Diggs, and all these young weapons now that everyone's excited for in Kincaid, uh, James Cook. Jalen Hurts has Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. Joe Burrow has T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Lamar Jackson has Mark Andrews. Justin Herbert has Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Quentin Johnson now. All the guys above him that most people rank in their top five have a gangbuster option. We don't know if Trevor Lawrence has that. So that's another hesitancy that I have for elevating him into that upper First of all, that that is very well said. I will say that for the Jags being the Jags, they're at least trying. Like Evan Ingram is not going to be confused with Travis Kelsey, except they both play tight end. And Calvin Ridley is not going to be confused with Jamar Chase or, or even T. Higgins, perhaps. But at least they're trying. At least you know, it's like if. If you, if you can't have one ace, can you have three or four deuces in your hand? And, and I'm not saying that they're twos. I'm just saying if you can't have the one big thing, I, I do like the fact that they continue to add. And I think Calvin Ridley's presence will allow them to push everybody down a roll. I don't know that Christian Kirk is actually – not that Ridley is. Don't get yourself twisted. But I don't know. I think Christian Kirk is the perfect wide receiver too. That allows Zay, uh, Zay Jones – excuse me, the other Zay, the original Zay – Zay Jones to be the wide receiver three. It allows more one-on-ones and more, you know, seam stretching and working that area of the field for Evan Ingram. So I would have loved it to have been instead of Calvin Ridley, it was Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill, but that's just not the luxury they had. So I I do like it. For me, I'm going to reevaluate at the end of the season because I want to see, because we saw this last year. I mean, your guy, Justin Fields, you know, Dallas, big Bears guy, got hurt. During the fantasy and, and dynasty championships, Jalen Hurts got hurt. Lamar Jackson got hurt. And not that in week 17 or 18 was Trevor Lawrence, you know, lighting it up. But sometimes the best ability is availability. And I don't want to ding the Konami code quarterback. But do I want my QB1 overall in a super flex league? Do I want my QB1 to be that safer pocket? Not the pocket guys don't get hurt. Joe Burrow's not playing right now. But they're less likely to get hurt. So that would be my takeaway on Lawrence. I'm close. He's right there on that borderline. 
I have him at six. He's not quite in the top five. Super close. We'll see how the season goes. Uh, let's go to the running back position real quick. We, we've seen a lot out of Tank Bigsby. Now, you're my rookie guy. I, I want to hear your thoughts on Bigsby. And who would you rather have at their current dynasty ADP? Would you rather be investing in ETN? Or would you, would you rather be investing in Tank Bigsby? <sighs> this is a hard one. Um, so Tank Bigsby, uh, in my rookie profiles, classified as kind of the jack of all trades. He was the jack of all trades, masters of none. He does everything. In the word association game that I did on the Dynasty War Games uh, podcast with our fellow podcast hosts, um, Jesse, Mike, and uh, Chad. Sorry, Chad. Well, 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 Mike retired and they brought in Austin, so it may have been – but yeah. it's only, we're only two shows in, so you may have this, – this appearance may have been before then. Yeah, it was it was prior to Mike uh, stepping away. But yeah, no, uh, on that, I had the tagline. My word for him was almost. He's almost elite in a lot of different categories, but doesn't quite push you over the line. Etienne can be elite in a lot of categories. Um, the one question mark right now still for Etienne is his pass blocking. And that's where I think takes Bigsby's in onto the team is on third down. I understand why people are freaking out about Tank Bigsby and how they want to get in and they're trying to acquire him. Um, I don't think his cost is going to get any lower than what it is right now until probably the end of the season. But I also caution the fact that investing heavily in exclusively third down backs is not always your best move. Um, Etienne in college, people like to forget about it. It's only been two years is what I would remind people was absolutely insane, absolutely elite. Um, he's bigger than Tank Bigsby, even though people like to say that Tank Bigsby is larger than him. And so uh, this goal line workload that Etienne, for some reason, did not get last year, I still don't understand it because he was a monster in between the 20s. He would watch the games, and then he would just eat up yards. And then at the last second, they'd be like, eh, let's switch it up. Let's throw in another back that will never remember their name. It might happen, but I'm just knocking on wood that it doesn't. It may be a little bit of copium, but I'm still going to lean towards Travis Etienne because I think deep down he's still the more talented running back between the two. I just think that Tank right now is kind of the hot name because we see him in preseason getting thrown in with the ones in a goal line scenario. So that's where I'm at. Well, I, I love the breakdown. Let me uh, hit you with a little swerve. I, I'm in on none of the above because Tank is being steamed up right now. And I would rather have like a rookie valuation because we're, you should be, most rookie drafts are over at this point. I'd rather be in on Roshan Johnson. I'd rather be in on Tajay Spears than I would because I think all three of those guys are a similar valuation. You can even lump Kendra Miller in there too if you would really like. So, um, and I don't want any part of ETN. I think ETN's got a Doug Peterson issue, not a talent issue, not a Tank Bigsby issue. Not, I think he's got an issue with the leadership of this team because Doug Peterson had him all year last year. And I think he got 35 targets if memory serves me correctly. That is like not a lot for a quote unquote pass catching back. Then again, messaging matters what they do. Just like we talked about earlier in the show with Trey Lance, what they liked him so much. They went out and spent a third round pick on tank Bigsby and like their first free agent signing was Dearness Johnston. And they already had Jamichael Hasty, who they used quite a bit last year in-house. What does that messaging from the team, the coach, the GM, what does that tell you? 
that Travis Etienne is not a three-down back. He doesn't meet all of our needs. I think he's a talented guy. If if we could, you know, play the what if game, if we could flip flop him and Austin Eckler and put Travis Etienne in that Austin Eckler role, I, I think you'd have like the RB one overall in a conversation. But if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, every day would be a Merry Christmas, and that's not how this works. So unfortunately, I'm out on ETN, and I'm out of stuff for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's here. It's finally here. We're going to talk Minnesota Vikings, but this is like the one quasi-commercial on the Dynasty Warzone bonus pod is the patron. Patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. We've got patron in the YouTube chat tonight. We have our newest patron, Famous J. We've got Steve. We've got David. These are our loyalist supporters, subscribers. I call them friends. I mean, they're just good people. They 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 support the Dynasty War Zone, and it's not the world's craziest investment. You know, we we do one on one advice. We have a great group chat. Dallas is in there. Uh, he mixes it up with with the gang. You know, he was talking about promising the the patrons he'd be back in there. And then the new thing that I'm doing on Player Profiler's YouTube channel. I do a show that's like video only. It's called The Overtime. But if you want the audio version, because you're like, Memphis, I just don't go to YouTube. I don't watch my podcast on YouTube. Cool. We throw this in on the Patreon pod now every Monday, and you get the show early. The Dynasty Warzone launches on Wednesday mornings to the, the normal podcast-consuming crowd. The patrons get it early and ad-free. I scrub all the commercials, all the plugs. I get rid of all that shit. And I just give you the show and this coming Monday because I, I want a good trade for the show this weekend. I was like, hey, patrons, send me some trades. I got a bunch. So I'm going to pick one and I'm, I, I hate to pick one. It's like, you know, like as a dad trying to pick between your favorite kids, I got to pick one trade. We'll do it on the Dynasty Warzone. But the rest of them, you bet your ass I'm going to cover it in the Dynasty Warzone bonus pod. This is all the stuff that we do on top of the roster help and everything else. And guys, it's five bucks a month. It is, I'm biased, but it's one of the best values in fantasy football. But Dallas, do, do you know who might not have an extra five bucks? The the, the Minnesota Vikings. Because, I was going to say me right now. I'm very cash poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 uh, you're house and vacation poor, but that's all right. You know, um, you, you'll have the memories and the house. Uh, but the Minnesota Vikings, now as we sit today, the Minnesota Vikings are $30 million to the good on the 24 cap, but they've got to pay Justin Jefferson. TJ Hawkinson is quietly holding in. Now they're the second favorite to win the division this year after winning 11 games last year, so they likely won't land a draft pick that would land them a, a Drake May, a Caleb Williams, a, a Quinn Ewers, maybe not even like a Michael um, Penix Jr., former Indiana guy, now up in up in Washington. So uh, maybe they'll be in on Trey Lance next year in the offseason. I think that would be the best spot for him. But my question for you from a dynasty standpoint, does all of this make you ask yourself, what does the future of guys like TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison, and most importantly, the wide receiver one in a dynasty startup right now, at least for me, but I'm going to put a spin on that, what is what happens if Kirk Cousins is gone and these guys are forced to get a, a new quarterback and maybe a suboptimal quarterback? Because whether you like Kirk or not, love the new mustache. 
But whether you love him or hate him, he's been a very serviceable quarterback for Superflex leagues, and he's made sure to get these guys good targets. So what are your thoughts on these guys if, for some reason, Kirk is not back in 24? Yeah, Kirk's been the epitome of health, consistency, and just stability at the quarterback position for Minnesota. And that's the reason why he kind of was the first one to truly change the quarterback market is because Minnesota understood that they could reset it, but the down step that they would have to take based off of their roster that was supporting Kirk Cousins would be so drastic that it wasn't worth it. And that's kind of the situation that they've played themselves into. They have yet to draft a feasible option in a backup option behind him. They tried it with Kellen Mond early and he's now been cut from his, I believe third team uh, after literally not even making it a whole season with the team. So it, it's very interesting to see what this quarterback position is going to be like um, specifically the weapons. I think you have such an elite floor with specifically Justin Jefferson and Hawkinson that the quarterback position really doesn't change it all that much. Hawkinson was still in the conversation of a top five tight end consistently with a guy like Jared Goff as his quarterback. So I know not trying to take jabs at Jared Goff. He actually had the best eight game stretch of any quarterback last year to end the season, but that's what people don't like to talk about either. Um, I think it would be concerning if they leave with him, but at the same time, I think it would be a healthy reset if they do not reach the goals that they have this season in an understandable one for the fan base. Um, so, I mean, me as a Bears fan, I would love it. As a Minnesota Vikings fan, I would understand if they switched it. And specifically for those top two options, I don't think it would be an issue, but I would be extremely concerned if I owned Jordan Addison as the third option with a question mark at quarterback, as well as the running back game. Say what you will about Alexander Madison. He was not as good as Dalvin Cook when he was in the games. People just remember the fact that he always got over 20 carries when he was in there for Dalvin Cook, and he produced 20-point games just like Dalvin Cook did. Leave it there. That's just where I'm at. But I am not concerned for the top two options. Everyone else, I would be staying away. You know, for me, I agree with everything that you say, but this takes me to my second point on the show sheet that I think I have to, and it's it, and they're in a tier all their own. I think I finally agree with the Podfather and a lot of other analysts. I think I have to just nudge, just nudge Jamar Chase just ahead of Justin Jefferson. And it's not a talent issue. I'm not going Ryan Clark from last week where he said George Pickens was more talented than Justin. It's not a talent thing. Situation matters. You know, we can go back to the Jags for a minute. You know, is it Trevor Lawrence as a generational prospect or is it the Doug Peterson offense? Because when we were all convinced, and at least by we, I mean me, I was that asshole that was convinced that Carson Wentz was him, as the kids said, maybe it was Doug Peterson. Maybe it wasn't Frank Reich. And maybe it wasn't, maybe it was that offense. Situation matters. And situation matters to me to the point to where. They're still in a tier of two. It's still Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Just but because I I think and I feel very certain in saying that he's going to be locked up with Joey Burrow for the next five to ten years. And I can't I don't have that certainty with Justin Jefferson. And although we've seen plenty of wide receivers, whether it's ironically, most of the ones that come to mind are Texans, like Andre Johnson or DeAndre Hopkins, you know, they were able to perform with subpar quarterback play uh Demarius Thomas when he had Brock Osweiler you know these things happen so he can still be like a top five wide receiver 
but can he be the one? Can he compete on a week-in, week-out basis with Jamar Chase and, and, and Joe Burrow? And I'm going to nudge him, still in a tier of two, him and him and Chase, but I'm going to move him down. My last question of the show and for the night, I got to let you get back to sleep so that you can get up in the morning and get some more house rehab going. But is this your Derek Carr spot for Kirk Cousins? Is this that last hoorah that maybe, you know, at least in the in the quarterback market, you know, the Saints bailed us out on Derek Carr, gave us another year, and the contract really says two. Is this kind of that last moment that we didn't maximize last year with Kirk Cousins that like, I'm assuming with Derek Carr, that with Kirk Cousins, if you're in a super flex, a guy that perennially finishes in like that eight to 10 range, is now a good time to sell him? Yeah, um, the the hardest thing with quarterbacks that are in that 8 to 12 range, as you know, and most of our listeners probably know, is that trying to make a lateral move at quarterback there does not net you very much value. And if you are trying to optimize your value, you often have to punt the quarterback position and start to acquire pieces that are not quarterbacks in your deals. Um He's a, a fine piece to move. I would just caution people. Uh, he is better and has shown a consistent level of being better than a Derek Carr. And so there is the option that he could very well continue to play at the exact same level that he's been playing at for the next four to five years. Um, it, it, we've seen it. Uh, I'm not calling him a Hall of Famer at all, but he has been legitimately one of the most consistent quarterbacks over God, probably, what, six, seven years now? I mean, you can even go clear back to the, the Washington Commando days. He's He's been... He's been maybe the most con- – now, when, when I say QB1, I mean, that's QB on a season from QB1 to 12 and a, from a point standpoint. Now, he's never going to be in that that mix to be QB1 overall. But if you're just looking for a dude that's going to give you QB8 on a season, on average, he's your guy. And this year, he's even better. So if you're a contender and maybe you drafted a young guy that you really liked, like a, a C.J. Stroud, who I think C.J. Stroud's going to struggle a, a little bit this year because he just has bad weapons around him. I'm rooting for John Mechie. I like Dalton Schultz, but you know, a guy like C.J. Stroud would give his, his left arm because he throws right-handed. He'd give his left arm to have the weapons of a, of a Trevor Lawrence. Forget what Tua's got. And so I, I think if I could move Kirk Cousins – those are the kind of guys that I can get. If you can get like, a, again, we talked about those running quarterbacks, those guys that rush a lot. If one of those guys gets banged up in like week 13, 14 uh, on, on a contending roster, that's where you can go out and start looking at that contender's roster and go, hey, there's a guy like, like uh, Will, I'll take Will Levis and your 24 first because it'll be a contender's first, but that's fine. That's a great cash out in season for a guy like Kirk Cousins because we know the 24 class is going to be loaded. And then you have a couple of young lottery tickets to potentially replace a Kirk Cousins because uh, I I made a bold prediction on another podcast last night that I'm not going to make tonight. But Dallas, I think we did it, man. I I really, on behalf of Kevin, want to thank you. I was prepared to do this thing by myself, but, you know, I threw up the bat signal. I, I, I was, you know... When I say throw up the bat signal, think about the movie Batman or the comic books Batman. What does Gotham City do when they need a hero? They turn on the bat signal. You see the big bat in the sky. 
And I, I did that in the Dynasty Warzone content creators chat. And uh, there was Dallas. Dallas came in in spite of trying to get ready for a vacation in a couple of weeks. Got to, got to get moved in a couple of weeks. He was like, Memphis, I'm going to give you an hour of my time to come on the the, the Dynasty Warzone bonus show. So thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to what's going on. Uh, uh, what are you going to be doing this offseason? Talking about some or this in season, I guess, talking about some some young college guys. Yeah, um, I mean, I I always pride myself with giving you little nuggets about people that you don't always hear about. Um, I mean, you go back to the days of why I'm even the rookie content creator for the DWZ network. Uh, I remember I'm old enough to remember when I had Justin Jefferson as the number one wide receiver in his draft class and T Higgins is the number two. Uh, it's part of the reason why Memphis fell in love with me. Uh, but I mean, no. amongst many others. Yeah, amongst many others, but no. So we're going to be talking a lot of not mainstream rookies. I don't like to just kind of regurgitate what all other Devi and Dynasty content creators give you at rookie positions. I like to talk about people that realistically could make the back end of your rosters come rookie draft season that have the chance to kind of catapult into starting positions. Um a guy right now, if you want to name that I've been beating the drum for for the last two seasons, I was heartbroken. That he- Is it Marvin Harrison Jr.? Uh, it's not. <laughs> I do love my OSU wide receivers, but um, a guy that I've just been pounding the drum for because at the quarterback position, he does everything that you want him to do is Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. Uh, two years in a row, he should have came out last year. He also should have transferred, but he's a very loyal man apparently. And was like, yeah, I'll chill with one of the worst offenses in the league and see how it happens. But go ahead, look at his stats, watch some tape. Um, if you're a fan of the QB school, there's a very good couple of episodes that they do a couple of breakdowns on him. Um, that's your rookie name. Now just go and check it out. That's your first prospect of the 2023, 2024 season um to keep your eyes out but i'm gonna be dropping nuggets like that so that's where i'm at (laughs) yeah so basically what dallas just did he's gonna do like pre-records because as you can tell you know he's got a lot going on in his personal and professional life and you know the rookie rundown will be back in its full-length podcast version very very soon but in the interim and throughout the season for the dynasty warzone listener you know and and i got to give dallas his flowers you know like I look like a genius because I've been touting Michael Wilson all off season. The first time I heard the name Michael Wilson was from Dallas. And then I heard TJ Hushmanzada, you know, he doubled down on, on Michael Wilson. And I was like, I'm sold. I got Dallas, a guy that I think really knows the wide receiver position and Hoosh love it. And, and you know what? So far, so good. Looking like we're going down the right track. So in the normal dynasty war zone show this season, we're going to do a little segment. This is the first nugget. Like, a, like an Easter egg, a teaser, whatever you want to call it, a little nugget is going to be, we're going to do a little five to eight minute segment every week. It's going to be Dallas and it's going to be called the Rookie Corner. And we're going to have that in the body of the main Dynasty War Zone because I don't want the Dynasty War Zone in season to just turn into another, basically for lack of a better term, it turns into another redraft show where you talk about what happened, and, you know, injury. I want it to be some of that but I want it to be actionable dynasty advice that you guys have come to know and love. I want to thank Dallas again for jumping on. Please follow this man at salad galore on the, the, the Twitter machine now known as X X going to give it to you. 
And you can follow me at DWZ Memphis. I mentioned the Patreon. Check that out. But if uh, you're not in a position to support us that way, totally awesome. The freest way to support us is if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and the Player Profiler channel. If you're listening to the podcast, you know, subscribe to our podcast and the Player Profiler podcast. It costs $0, and believe me, it means more to us than you'll ever know. So on behalf of my buddy Dallas, who bailed me out of a jam, my name is Memphis. We'll be back here on Sunday with our Hot Take Hotline edition of the Dynasty Warzone. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, if I'm not golfing or slinging my hands of monster, I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. As a member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds. Tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. If we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.